Hello. Hey, this is our life now. And it's just, just constantly on Zoom. Constantly on Zoom. But you know what? I'm just, I'm happy to talk to people. I know, I know. I, uh, um, it was nice seeing Ian earlier. I haven't gotten to talk to him in a while. And Yeah, it, I think he forgot because he looked a little sleepy. Well, yeah, you know. It's fine. It's, there's no time. No. I, there's um, no such thing as time right now. There's sometimes I look up and it's like 4 a.m. and I'm just hanging out watching some bullshit TV and I'm like, oh, I need to go to bed. And then I'm like, but why? But why? <laughs> Last night I stayed up. I stayed up till four o'clock in the morning watching Prime Suspect. I'd never I'd never seen that BBC show before with Helen Mirren mm-hmm. and where she plays an awesome detective. Um, and I would you know, you get it. You're in and you're in and you can't stop. And I looked up and the show was over, completely over. It's done. No more prime suspect. I'm like, oh, it's 4 a.m. <laughs> I should yeah. probably I should probably go to sleep, but I don't know why. Right. I gotta wake up for a, a noon Zoom meeting. <laughs> right. Right. Um, welcome back, everybody. Woo! We're tearing tacos. Tearing tacos, where we talk about horror movies and eat tacos. Have you eaten tacos? I ate uh, not a taco, but I had um, I had an amazing burrito yesterday from El Vecino that I picked up. Yeah, um, and it 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 hit the spot. It was funny because Aspen is back in the office, you know, three times a week, and is about uh-huh. to be all the time. And yeah. I got a text because we have groceries and have been you know, eating at home or eating at home. We're always eating at home, but have been eating stuff we have a lot. Uh, But I guess on her, as she stepped into her car to drive home, it just said, I need Tex-Mex. And so we got El Vecino and it's medicine. Yeah, it was, it really was, it it was a game changer. I mean, it's, it's uh, it always is, but in these times it's like these little things like having an awesome burrito and some good queso Tex-Mex is medicine. People yeah. don't understand this. Um, I made I made breakfast tacos this morning. Fantastic. So, yeah, um, I made potato and egg and bacon breakfast tacos with homemade flour tortillas. I did it. it sounds they delicious. Were, they were okay. And Drew Wall, our friend Drew Wall is painting. Your friend, Christy. Oh, Your- my friend. My friend Drew Wall is painting our, our neighbor's house and so i took him some tacos over there oh nice he he sent me a text that was like can i has taco (laughs) good that's um so i'm really excited to talk about the movie that we're going to talk about today i'm excited to just talk to anybody michael so you know but but i'm excited to talk about this movie because i i actually love this story Uh, yeah i mean i guess Mm-hmm. I know you do. So, so it's it, we're talking about the turning, uh-huh. twenty twenty, which is based on Henry James's Turn of the Screw, right? Which you have directed a two person play version of, and right by Jeffrey Hatcher, and uh, it's a really great play. Yeah, and a really cool minimalist take on uh, James's story, which, you know, I have not read since high school. And mm-hmm. so my, most of like my recollection of that, the, the book or the novella, I guess, technically it is from seeing the show you directed, which I, I really love. Um, cause it, it I don't know, it kind of just breaks things to its core and how do you scare people with only two people in a stairway? And uh-huh. I love that shit. Um, yeah. It's one of the, my most favorite things that, I mean, I've always loved that story, but it's one of my most favorite shows that I've, that I've gotten to work on that I feel like, you know, I mean, you direct a lot of stuff and, and, or you're in stuff or you write stuff and it, you don't always go, I got that right. Yeah. I mean, I think very it's, seldom. it's rarer that you do, do feel yeah. that way, right? And that's one of the shows, like one of the very few shows where I look back and I go, I got that right. Like I, I'm really proud of, of what we did with that show. Yeah. Uh, and it, it also felt like um, it to me, I mean, I was not involved in, in any way other than just being an, an audience member, but uh, it, to me, it, it, it seemed kind of like um, a flag in the sand. I don't know if that's the right phrase or whatever of saying like, no, we can do horror in theater. And, yeah. and since then I've, I've sort of been committed to trying to, to right. do 
That was the show that for me was, I was like, oh, I can do horror in theater. I've always wanted to. And this show proves to me that it is absolutely possible. So this is like my goal now in my life. Um, Anyway, so we're talking about the the turning. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was directed, it's 2020, directed by Floria Sigismondi. Yes. Who is a badass female photographer mm-hmm. and is more well known for her music videos yeah. than movies. And she's directed some, she directed Marilyn Manson's The Beautiful People. Yeah, which I think is prob- like, probably her biggest. Yeah, the biggest thing that she's directed. But she's directed some Dead Weather stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did some some for your favorite band. I'm going to mispronounce it. Sigur Sigurros. Sigurros. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's the way we say it. You know. They yeah, can, I don't know how they say it. One in Iceland. Yeah. Right. Uh, so she has a she has a real um, uh, her own very unique aesthetic mm-hmm. and and storytelling uh, method as far as photography. Yes. So this movie's beautiful to look at. Definitely. And and I was excited um, for, for a lot, like a really weird reason, man. I, there are no new movies coming wow. out. I mean, we're in this bizarre sort of state where you go to Amazon and, and or, or whatever, whatever streaming, and you look yeah. at new releases, and it's the same fucking four movies that it's been the last eight weeks or whatever. And, and right. I... And if you don't have kids, uh, the options are even less. Like I have no, you know, no offense right. to this film, but I'm not going to sit and fucking watch Trolls Part Two, the Troll World Tour. Like that's not going to happen. Um, Why not? You, you're not interested in the trolls. I don't have enough drugs in my house <laughs> to be interested in the trolls. So I was just excited to see something new. I mean, it came right. out th- this year earlier. This right. Year. And this was a movie that you and I had been excited about watching. Mm-hmm. Like we, when we, when remember the good old days when we would go to the theater to yeah. Alamo Draft House and order chicken fingers. Uh-huh. Oh um, God! Yeah. Oh God! So, so this was one of the previews that we had been, you know, seeing and going. I can't wait for this to come out. Right. And you know, I and then I forgot about it because pandemic. Yeah, and, and theaters disappeared and, and all of that stuff. <laughs> right. And I was I think I was scrolling through Hulu. I was watching The Great and I was scrolling through Hulu and you know they tell you this is what we think you'll like. And The Lodge came up, which is another movie that we had been meaning to watch that yeah. I also forgot about. And the lot when I saw that, I was like, Oh shit, I bet you the turning is out too. And that's how that's not important, but that's how. No, but I mean, it, it really was like uh, when you told me that, I was like, "Oh, that's a, it's exciting!" It is a. I'm so a excited, new a new movie. Yeah. So it, it also stars, um, I think, my new favorite child actor in the world. Mm-hmm. Her, her name is Brooklyn Prince. Uh, yes, and she was in the Florida Project. I right, which is which is a really really good movie and disturbing and sad and powerful. And she's real good. She's like nine or 10 or some shit. She's a really good actor. I mean, I was kind of like, Oh, this little girl's not a cloying twee child. I mean, she is not fucking around. She's a good actor. And so it's Um, the great Finn Wolfhard. Awesome. And um, Mackenzie Davis, who I knew from the new Terminator uh-huh. Um, that, that's, I think, the only thing I've seen her in. I've seen her in something else, and I can't quite place it. But, like, the whole movie, I was like, I've seen her in something, I've seen her in something, and I can't remember what it is, but I'm it sure is. it'll it'll pop into my head. Physically striking. Like, she's oh, yeah. five foot ten, and, uh, I mean, in The Terminator, she's, in the new one, she's just an absolute, like, physical badass right and she's um, like she's the person that you, like if we were doing if we were doing blade runner or or uh battlestar galactica mm-hmm. like she would definitely be a cylon yeah, like she's she's that kind of she has that kind of look yeah and, and in the terminator also, she is a terminator oh well there you go there yeah. you go i have not seen that i um, guess i should see it a, a yeah a version of whatever yeah. i don't know yeah and finn uh, wolfhart is uh like He's growing up. Like it's oh, just man. so it's so weird to have seen him as a little kid. Yeah. And now he's a straight up teenage boy. Yeah. And Aspen, it was funny. Like 
we were watching it last night and he had this one scene and now he has just a, a glorious head of hair. He's like I, a little dreamboat. Yeah. And she just, he did something and she was like, weird. He's just like a fucking pro now. And I was yeah. like, yeah. I mean, yeah. three seasons of Stranger Things, the It movies. Yeah. Uh, this this dude is he's in the if it ever comes out the new Ghostbusters I mean he's 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 right thing, he's know? he's a pro he's no he yeah. knows how to do the thing and he is he's like he's the he's the boy that would be on the cover of Tiger Beat if Tiger Beat like, yeah, still existed he's like a real dream but it's like you know we we forget sometimes that you know back in the day there was the studio system right mm-hmm. um, like before anything when we, we had MGM and 20th Century Fox like back in the good old days and like. Elizabeth Taylor and Roddy McDowell and Janet Lee and Debbie Reynolds and like all those old school stars, they were products of the studio system and that's how they got their training and that's how they're pros. So, you know, this kid, by the time he turns 21 or whatever, he's yeah. going to know exactly like he's had the best training in the world. Yeah. And it was, it was even funny. I, I read and, uh, or I watched an interview. This was a while back. Um, <clears throat> When with Bill Skarsgård, Skorsgård, Skorsgård mm-hmm. uh, talking about shooting it, and he was doing a scene. I think the part part one, the the one that I don't despise, that I really like. <laughs> he was doing a scene with um, Finn Wolfhard, and you know he's playing fucking Pennywise, and right. so in it, like Finn was terrified, and you know all of those things, and they cut, and Bill Skarsgård, being an adult working with a child said, Hey man, are, are you okay? And he said, the first thing he said, I was like, yeah, man, that was a really like awesome choice that you made when you did this thing. And I think it's going to look, and he just went into the whole, like how it was going to look on camera and all this. And he was like, Oh, well this is, yeah. this is a professional. Yeah. This is a professional actor. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So like a little, a, a rundown. Oh, and Susan, Susan Barton, who plays Mrs. Gross, the nanny. It's, it's, uh, I can't remember the name of the actors who play Miss Jessel and Peter Quint, but they're also, they're really great. Jolie Fisher is also in this, in a role that is not in the original story. Yeah. So a little, a li- yeah. So a little, a little breakdown for those of you in podcast land that are not familiar with Henry James turning the turning the turn of the screw. Um, Henry James was a writer in the late uh, 19th century, and he did he did like the Golden Bowl. He did um, the um, the heiress. Um, uh, or called Franklin Square is what it's called. Lincoln Square, Frank- Lincoln Square. Uh, and there's a movie of it called The Heiress. Um, and basically what he did is he took a lot of what, what was considered like the um, um, heroin, heroin as in lady, not heroin as in what you shoot the, up. Right. Um, uh, the, the novels of like the, the young female heroine that goes off and conquers the world. Uh, and kind of turned it on its head. Like he yeah. was the opposite of what the Bronte sisters uh, and even Louisa May Alcott were writing about. Right. And it was not, uh, it was because he had a problem with ladies, quite frankly. Like Clearly. If you read about him, Clearly he, had, does. he was raised by a very domineering mother and domineering sisters. And you can see in his work that his idea of femininity is like really kind of like, skewed yes um he i mean he also like it's funny because you know turn of the screw takes place at bly manor and right and bly manor is is about to be the second season of haunting of hill house it's oh like, i didn't like, know that yeah and and i don't think it's going to be a straight adaptation because turn of the screw is is actually not that long of the story i don't no. know what tennis was episodes but i'm sure flanagan is going to use James is like creation, like the way he, he handles atmosphere and tension yeah. is even what inspired heavily the others. Right. Um, one of our, I believe one of our favorite. Yes, movies. absolutely. Uh, so uh, this, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that this story. So if you, t- if you kind of take Jane Eyre, right. And turn Jane Eyre on its head. It's it, that's kind of what it is. It's a young woman from the city who wants to become a nanny or yeah. not necessarily wants to become a nanny. She finds a job as a nanny. Yeah. Um, 
a governess. A governess, and she's going to go her. off live yeah. right in in a crazy country mansion, mm-hmm. um, and she's going to take care of this one little girl. She's been hired to be the governess for Flora mm-hmm. um, because her brother Miles is at school, so she didn't have to worry about him. And of course, there's it's always rife with kind of like maybe the master will fall in love with me, right? Yes, and. I'll become the lady of the manor or whatever. And this kind of like in the, in the novella, this kind of happens from jump. Like she goes to meet the, the uncle of the children who's interviewing her in town. And he never goes to the manor he, he, in the story. He never goes to the manor. And um, there's a flirtation that happens there. And he basically seduces her, not, just kind of like mentally seduces her right. and says, you need to come be the guy. Go- anyway, she goes and becomes the governess. Um, she meets the little girl. She meets Mrs. Gross, who's the housekeeper. She finds out that the, the uncle never comes to visit them. They're always alone. Something has happened to the old governess or the previous governess. We don't exactly know what it is. There's something about the stable guy, mm-hmm. Peter Quint. We kind of don't know what that is. Miles gets in trouble at school and has to be brought home. And that's kind of like where the action, the real action of our, of the, of the novella begins, of the story begins. Um, So this movie, the turning modernizes it, but to the 1990s. Yeah. Um, That's one of the first things I texted you. Yeah. And uh, you know, it is, I'm not going to pretend. I mean, it is, it's my favorite decade. So I was, (laughs) Um, and you brought up two, two interesting points. Um, You said you think it works in the nineties more so than it would now. And I agree because there is like a broodiness that is attached to the nineties. There's this sort of sheen of gray that, right. that picture of the 90s and that works, I think, with the style of this story. Right. Like also, the, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, and then also you pointed out the very, like, logistical fact that in the 90s, it eliminates fucking cell phones. And, right. And that is right. so key to so many horror movies now. Right. Especially um, if you're out in a country manor, right, yes, where you're it, stuck somewhere. What like create that it, that idea that we're we are disconnected from the world right so this movie opens and one of the first things we hear is this this young woman is packing she's a teacher mm-hmm. uh she lives with her 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 friend and she's packing to go do this new job and the, she's got the news on and one of the first things we hear is uh the the news about kurt cobain's death yeah so we immediately know i thought that was such a brilliant way of like yeah. immediately telling us this is the year yeah. we're doing this is, the story in. This is 1994. <laughs> this is 1994. Yeah. This has just happened in the world. Like, arguably the most influential musical artist of that decade. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, Hands I'm, down. Still, I'm still not fucking over it. I mean, right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, stop. And kids, stop wearing Nirvana shirts that you never, because you never listen to Nirvana. Yeah, so stop you. wearing fucking Nirvana shirts. <laughs> That you don't even know what the fuck it's about. Uh, anyway, um, so we know exactly where we are, mm-hmm. and it. But that news also immediately tells you the state of mind that kind of like the youth and our generation. Yeah, we're, we're in. We're dealing. Yeah, we're we're, we're dealing with. Um, and so, so here's the thing. I, I okay. So I like the '90s update. I, I'm if you're not going to go period, if you don't want to make a period that period piece, you know, late uh, the 1890s. Um, right. I I think the 1990s work far more than than 2020 would. Um, stylistically, visually, all those things. My issue that I did have almost off the bat was in the 1890s in the James story. Uh, and stories of that time you have limited often you have a woman who has extremely limited options solely based on the fact that she is a woman right and you and i often talk about how in horror desperation leads to poor decisions right this is the 1990s this young woman has a sound seems like a decent teaching job Mm -hmm. has a cool roommate um, 
She has an apartment. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that she wouldn't take another job, not saying that. Right. My issue is there is nothing. Once the shit starts going down, I don't know why she stays. Right. There's not really anything to keep her there. And there's nothing that really that took her there other than she did not want to be teaching in the classroom anymore. At least I didn't see anything. Oh, she wanted to change. Yeah. We get the story of her mom Mm -hmm. and her father. They always have to have something. Her father left when she was very young and the mom is in an institution. I guess we can yeah, call it. Yeah. So she's in a hospital, and so that's like that's the thing that we get um, about the thing that is wrong in her life, right? Or something, uh, and that she's having to deal with this in some way. But there's not really like even even in a movie like Skeleton Key, for example, right? That we love to complain about, and we love to make fun of Kate Hudson and that yeah. character in that movie. Even in that movie. Kate Hudson's character, there's a sense of disenchantment with her job yes. that takes her away from the city. Yes. She she wants to make a difference. It, and it is directly related to the fact that she was not there when her father died. Yeah. She has she has an, a huge sense of guilt about that. And you see very clearly that this woman went into, you know, like I think a lot of nurses uh, and caretakers to be helpful, to help people, to truly help people. Right. See in Skeleton Key almost immediately that where she's working, these patients are treated as a number um, or as a financial figure and no one fucking cares about them. Right. We don't see some horrible classroom in this. We don't see some terrible teaching situation. And so leaving is one thing. If you want a different job and you want to go to an awesome estate in the country, that's fine. You right. fucked your roommate over, which is shitty, but okay. Right. But as soon as we start having prob- like really serious problems, either natural or supernatural, mm-hmm. I mean, I just kept saying, why the fuck are you staying? I know. You, I- texted, you texted me, why the fuck doesn't she leave the house? Yeah, I just don't and- get it. I think the only reason that we have is because we're, I guess we're supposed to glean from the information that she gives us that she has abandonment issues because of her dad. And so she learns, she learns that the previous nanny, uh, Miss Jessel, which is the same thing as it has, has left, Uh has left. Not saying goodbye. Not saying goodbye. And this has broken the heart of Flora, of the little mm-hmm. girl, as it would for any child. Of and so she promises Flora, she says, I'm not going to leave you. Flora says, you're not going to leave me, are you? And she goes, I promise I'm not going to leave you. And Flora's parent, Flora watched her parents die. And- right. There's like this horrible thing. In, in this version, Flora watched her parents die right outside the gates of the manor. And so Flora has a thing about leaving the estate. Right. Um, or Mrs. Gross doesn't want her to leave the estate or whatever. Um, Yeah, I agree. I I, I feel like uh, it was just too, it wasn't hard enough. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And and the, I I mean, it's, you know, I always hate when I'm like, oh, just rewriting this thing. To me, you either give her the sort of Kate Hudson thing. You you build that. Like this, this is a huge sense of guilt. Or you put the child in direct fucking danger. Right. And she then, as a good human being, as an adult, says, I am the only thing standing between this little girl and right. real danger or right. true fear. Right. And that's not established. Right. Well, and in even in even the, the original story in the novella, the reason she goes, we, and in the novella, we never learned the, the governess's name, so I'm just saying she. Um, the reason she goes is because she has nothing else. Like, right. She comes from poverty. She has nowhere to go. It's this or become a prostitute. Exactly. What you were just saying, right? Yeah. And her, her dream is that maybe something else. I, I wanted to be a governess, but now this uncle, I think he likes me. Right. So maybe this could be a thing. 
because she doesn't even have, because society is fucking terrible, she doesn't even have marriage options. Right. Which could be horrific in their own way anyway. You know, you're basically fucking sold off or whatever. Right. But she doesn't even have that fucking option because she is so poor. Right. And but so, in this one, she's like, her her Doc Martin Chelsea boots are really yeah, shiny. Man. That's and what I'm like, and, and she has a cool roommate and they have a cool apartment like you do in your 20s. Like, I right. was like this is pretty solid. Yeah. Um, so she goes off. She she meets Mrs. Gross, who's always sketch and <laughs> is supposed to be until yeah. you learn later that Mrs. Gross is just trying to protect the kids. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Miles comes home. Right. Um, and there's something wrong with Miles. Yes. But, we okay. need to talk about Miles. We need to talk about Miles. So the nanny, not the nanny, the housekeeper, Mrs. Gross, uh, keeps referring to the children as like, they're thoroughbreds. Mm-hmm. I've been with the family for a long time, and it's an honor. And so there's this attitude from Mrs. Gross in this version that, that the children are like above reproach, that this family yes. is like, they are above everything else and she will do anything to serve them which is not exactly what's in the novella in the novella mrs gross has been with the family for a long time but man i don't want to sound like i'm saying you it should be like the novella that's not what i'm saying it's just it's it is kind of different it is i think there's a there's also there i mean not to harp on this there there are things and and look i am not from that ilk of American society. And, and maybe that is very much, I obviously there are, you're not, you're not American gentry, Michael. I'm not American gentry. Um, it's odd. And, and maybe that's just, just my own lack of knowledge of that. It, it seems there's something so British to me and so 19th century and before about this idea of I serve this family. I'm honored to serve this family. I've been in the family for years. It just seems, I don't know. It just seems like a a weird anachronism to me in, in this American and or it's an American setting there. I think everyone in it is Canadian. Yeah. There it's, it's supposed to be America. I mean, now the housekeeper sounds British. She's British. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, Sure. Okay. But yeah, it does. It just does seem weird. It just doesn't seem like, oh, okay. Because even now, like when you watch documentaries about like old manor houses in England and stuff like that, the the people who are the housekeepers or who, who run the households who have also been there for generations, they don't have those attitudes. It's to them, it's, this is my job, you know, but yeah. it's not like, it's not like I serve a Royal master. Like Downton Abbey, like we must preserve the name or, you know, yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. So the other thing I want to talk about is that, and you know, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but Miles, we've already brought Miles home. So in the novella, there are suggestions made Uh about what is happening with the children because she starts noticing that the children behave really oddly with each other. Miles has a certain kind of control over Flora. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the novella, the children are closer in age than in this movie. Um, and then you learn that Miss Jessel and Peter Quint had a sexual relationship. Right. But you kind of quite never f- learn. It's only suggested how the children are involved in that sexual relationship. And it's never outwardly said, Mm -hmm. but you are left. And I think I told you this last night, you, you are left as a reader or an audience member to kind of draw your own disgusting conclusion about what's happening in the story, which I think is super effective. Yeah. And that's missing here, in my I, opinion. I agree. Um, I think that there, the, the, and we can get to it when we talk about the end. The way they or, or she, the director, tried to sort of throw ambiguity into the story to me doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Whereas that type of ambiguity that you're talking about is so effective. Yeah. Um, it's so weird. You brought this up when we were texting last night. You're talking about a book that now is a hundred and 
you know, 20 something years old. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways is more risque and more kind of pushes the envelope in certain aspects than a movie that was made earlier this year. Right. That was going to be my question to you. Do you yeah. think that they changed? Because, because it wasn't in there at all. So right. s- spoiler people in, in the novella, Peter Quint and Miss Jessel do start having an affair. They start fucking. I'm just going to yeah. say it. And there's like, it's suggested that the children are witness to this. Yes. That they have on occasion been, been witness to their relationship. And so you, you will learn that Peter Quint and I'm sorry, it's an old story. You should know it. If you yeah, don't know it, fun. whatever. 1890. Yeah. She, Miss Jessel didn't leave. Miss Jessel's dead. Yeah. They're both dead. Right. And may or may not be haunting Bly Manor. <laughs> and may or may not be possessing the children. Exactly. So that they can continue. This affair. Their affair, which brings up all sorts of disgusting yeah. things. Right. Horror, and at, things. Right. And at one point, Miles, who in the story, in the book, is like nine or ten or uh-huh. something like that. He's about nine or ten. And Flora is about six or seven or eight or nine. Something like that. He succeeds in halfway kind of seducing the governess. Right. Like he's very sexual. He's an over sexualized child and, and is, is somewhat successful in kind of like charming the governess. And she begins to have like, they, they kiss at one point. Yeah. I mean, and I think that they, it, it, it seems like there are so many, to me, one of the issues I have with this movie is there's, there's so many like little issue, like uh, threads that are thrown out that don't right. go anywhere. Right. And to me, there could have been that. And it's almost hinted at like, it's going to go that way. And then it just doesn't. And then it just doesn't. And Miles is, is generally speaking, just a complete fucking dick. For yeah. Him. I was like, is he just supposed to be like a fucking dick, rich teenager? Yeah. And I was Who like, cares? That is uninteresting to me. Right. Because um, in, the, in the book, it is that Miles is fighting this ghost. Yeah. That and, I, and I don't think you can, if you're going to go that way, I don't think in, in society today and, and for, for reasons, and in a film where you actually have to hire someone, mm-hmm. uh, you can't have a nine-year-old. No. But you can have a 16 or 17 or whatever. The, whatever. Um, and it was funny, even... <laughs> Even Aspen said, like, we're watching this and he's being a dick to her, you know, and everything. And it's like, he inherently wants to fuck her. Right. Just from the state of being a teenage boy. Right. In close quarters with a super hot model-esque blonde girl. Right. There. I'm sorry. I went through that age. There's nothing you can do. You yeah. essentially want to fuck almost anything, and you right. sure as hell want to fuck that girl. Right. Um, and sorry, everyone, just just no, fucking talking straight. And Roxy, so, uh, Roxy agrees. Roxy agrees. And so I thought, like you know, he has a moment where he's creeping on her, watching her sleep. He w- looks at her Ouroboros tattoo, which again I thought was going to go somewhere more interesting than it did. I know. And then it all kind of amounts to, to nothing on that front. Right. And I, th- yeah, I mean, that is such, I hadn't even thought of that, but Aspen's point is really, really good. I mean, it's like that should, that should have been in there, mm-hmm. you know? And, and in the, in the original story, that's the thing that makes the governess go, I can get the fuck out of here. I can leave or I'm going to save these children. Right. I'm, I'm going to exercise these ghosts, right? right. And save the children, which is what she ends up doing. Um, but in the movie, it, it doesn't even go that far. So, okay. So my question is like, do you think that it's because of the world that we live in right now that it's kind of like, oh, we can't go into that weird sexual innuendo. Type I, thing. We're I just going to make it about ghosts or whatever. I do think that's, yes, I think that's part of it. I think, I don't know. I think you can do it effectively and I think it would be, it would work. I don't know then if you, I don't know Finn Wolfhard's age, um, but then you find an 18 year old boy. Right. Who looks like he's 15. Right. Um, 
to play to play that role. Right. I mean, it is different. You have two people interacting. This is a real that that woman in real life is thirty or something. Right. Um, but even so, I mean, you could suggest it without ever actually true. seeing anything. Exactly. And, and you can do that in editing. Like you can, Completely. you know, totally kind of curate that performance Nothing. and that storytelling so that the actors never actually have to do anything. Such in any, any way, of course. Right, exactly. And, and, and I mean, they're also, again, I love Finn Wolfhard, but I mean, there's also a kid out there who looks 15, who's 18 or 19. I mean, that's sure. Just, Come on, we have even in not to bring up our movie. I mean, in Final Dress, one of the teenagers is played by a woman who was twenty six at the time, right? And she's and the one that looks most like a younger teenager. than her co stars. Yeah, right. Who were actual, who were actual teenagers um, at some point? It, it, yeah, and I get it. It's it's it is. Yes, we don't contemplate yeah, so like, society, but. It was it was disappointing in that sense where I was like, oh, I mean, the story doesn't really need your help in that in that way. And you kind of, you kind of took, cut the balls off the story yes. because that's the part of the story to me is the part of the horror. I mean, is the conclusions that you reach on your own, yeah. that your mind is kind of like forced to go, well, what did he do to that boy at school? Right. Why exactly was he sent home? Right. You know, or why am what, I oddly attracted to? Why, why am I oddly, oddly attracted to this 10 year old boy? Yeah. What did Peter Quint and Miss Jessel exactly do? do right. And what hold do they have over these kids, if any? Um, right. And we don't get any of that. I also texted you. Um, I guess it's related, but I said, there's something structural in the, in the movie that when we got to it, I was like, oh, okay. And then, and then it lost me. And I was like, are you talking, you talking about when we have like ghost killer? Well, that we have that, that ghost killer, but the, the, the housekeeper brings her the, the envelope from the mom. Absolutely fucking falls apart. And she's like, well, what is it? Yeah. And then in, in the movie, in this movie, the housekeeper also becomes more belligerent to her. Yeah. Whereas in the novella, the housekeeper seems belligerent, but it's just she's like, she's just scared and she grows to like trust the governess. Right. But in this, she brings her the envelope with the mother's drawings. And we get like this whole storyline, right? And uh-huh. she puts Flora in the car and she puts Miles in the car and they're running away. And then suddenly it's like, put the brakes on, rewind. It was a yeah, she was, was a, she's she been was, crazy she was, all along and none of this is happening. She was dreaming. Yeah. And we rewind back to the moment where she gets the pictures, the sketches uh-huh. from the mom. And then what it's happened? Kind of maybe implied that she is mentally unstable in the way that her mother is. Right. I, I wrote down and I think I texted you as a, it's one of the stupidest endings I've ever seen. I agree. And we get, I mean, Miles says to her in this movie, he says to her, I know what you're afraid of. And right. it's it's right after he's been watching her sleep or something like that. And I'm like, Oh, great. We're, we're going to go there. Right? right. And in, in the novella, the thing that she's afraid of is that not only does she have no situation in the world and she has nothing that she can count on, but she's also kind of untouched, right? She's, yeah. it's implied that she's a virgin yes. and that she wants to have the experience, but she doesn't even know how. Right. right? And so she's afraid of that. And I, 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 all 19th century novellas are about women and sex, of in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and he says, I know what you're afraid of. And I was like, oh, okay, that she's, she might be attracted to this teenage boy. Uh-huh. And why is it? And, and it turns out in the movie that she's afraid that she's like her mom. Is mom. that what it, is that what we're yeah, supposed to be? I think so. And it's like, we met her mom once. I, so I read her, Aspen and I both were like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I, um, so I read one, she pulled up one review and I'm, I'm terrible. I didn't write down the source. I think it was a British newspaper. And it's one of the best descriptions <laughs> He said, it's as if the filmmakers were tasked with making a 94-minute movie. And as (laughs) soon as they hit minute 94, they turned everything off and walked out. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, 
I mean, it's one of, it is one of the least effective, I mean, truly just stupid endings. Yeah. I agree. So where do you stand on the credits? Because the, it just kind of abruptly ends. Uh-huh. And then we get this like all these 90s, 90s, 90s grunge uh-huh. credits. And we get a scene of her kind of like touching the wallpaper as the credits are rolling. Right. And I'm to me, when the credits happen, story's done. Yeah. Story's done. We're done. So I'm like, am I... So I sat through the whole credits of her touching the wallpaper I because I thought well. something's going to happen. Something's like gonna we're, we're, we're going to see something. Nothing. No, it, it, it is such a bizarre ending. And I also read, I kind of went not down a total rabbit hole, but I was like, this is such a weird fucking, this is so weird, especially not that the whole movie worked and I had problems. There are some good scares early. Yep. There's some great potential early. Yep. It's only 94 minutes. So I was like, for 80 some of those minutes, I was entertained. Yeah. Um, ex- excited to see how it, how it panned out or whatever. And then to end like this. And so I read one thing. There was apparently a, a completely different ending that didn't test well or whatever at screenings. And then they went back and came up with this. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Because there's no way whatever you tested before played worse than was what I worse did. than this. I'm there's curious. No I'm curious to know what, yeah. what the other ending was. And, and, and so I, I, to me, th- I, you and I, I think have been pretty clear. Like we love an am, am, ambiguous ending. Absolutely. I, I, don't I don't need answers. I don't need answers, but to me, the an ambiguous ending or ambiguity in an ending is only effective if, if, all options, uh, whether it's two things that could have happened or 20 things, have at least been planted. That I was about to say it. left saying, oh, it could be this or it could be that or it could be this. This is just like, wait, what? What the who fucking what are you talking about? Right. Because like that whole rewind moment, like that whole moment of like, bloop, now we're yeah. back to her getting the pictures. I'm like, you didn't plant that seed earlier that this might be a thing that could happen. Like you never planted no. the seed you never showed us moments where she may have had blackouts. Right. Or you or never even, showed us. Even a Rosemary's baby moment where everyone else is like, you're fucking crazy. Right. What is wrong with you? Right. That never happens. Never. Um, and, and if it is a twist, she was crazy. Y'all. It's so it's lame. interesting. It's, it's so, it's so, it's so lame. It's so uninteresting. And I'm sorry. Like, may, maybe I'm just old, Michael. I don't know. But I'm like, why are we afraid to go to like the really horrific thing that the original novel is, t- is actually talking, talking about, about. way more horrifying than this. And yeah. also like, I'm not like going to get on a fucking soapbox or whatever, but I'm like, Look, man, her mom has clearly like is mentally ill. It, that's the demon here. Like I that fuck that man. I, I right. just don't that to me is is uninteresting. It simplifies a way more complex issue. And this isn't a movie that deals with issues of mental health in any way, shape, or form. No. So don't try to cram that in at the end. Right. I mean, it was kind of infuriating. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I was um, because because it was beautiful to look at. Like I said, uh-huh. like the performances are great. There, the art direction is absolutely gorgeous. The first scare in the window when she pulls oh, the fantastic, fantastic. The music is fantastic. Yeah, um, um, it, it's like a beautiful, a beautiful. Like we said before, it's like a beautiful marriage of the decade to the story to that the we're story. telling. Um, it just absolutely crumbles. Yeah. Um, and so I had, I was going to bring up, I had a, a question regardless of it shying away from like the real sort of meat of the story. Um, okay. You and I are huge fans of the, you know, the haunted house subgenre, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I think at the end of the day is, is still my favorite. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I include in that like haunted hotels and, and oh, haunted, yeah. Why do you think it's, (laughs) this is such a general fucking question. I'm sorry, but why do you think it's so hard to, to in this day and age still like pull off an effective haunting movie? Is it, 
are people afraid to just be, just tell a simple fucking story? Um, I, I, I don't, I think so. I mean, I, I think that I don't want, I don't want to say that it's because people are cynical. Is it, is that it? It might be. I, I, cause to me, like, and, and you get a family in a house or family or group, whatever. Uh, and scary shit happens. <laughs> right. right. Um, but, but is it hard? I mean, is it hard? Because the first season of American Horror Story is pretty terrifying. You're right. And, and that and, is a haunted. And, and what have we said? I mean, Hill House. Uh, Hill House. Yeah. Super effective. Yeah. Um, the Conjuring does it. I, the Conjuring. Yeah. The Others. Yeah. The Orphanage. And I, but see, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. And it's what you always say. You've said it before. For this genre to work, I mean, even the haunting with Florence Pugh, mm-hmm. right? And haunted, the one that takes place in Denmark with the nine foot tall Viking. The Viking goddess, yes. Yeah. Um, we care about those people. Yes. Like we learn something about each and every, if you, if you look at every single movie that I've cited and you look at the protagonist, you you care about them. Yes. You you learn something early on in the movie that it is in it's integral for us to know this about them. Right. And also it is a deep seated fear or guilt or shame. And more often than not, n- not only are they actual ghosts, but it's metaphorical. Yes, ghosts. it's a metaphorical house, you know? not a real house. Um, yeah, exactly. I, that's, I think that's absolutely it. And it's a shame to me because I think you had a very talented cast across mm-hmm. the board. Um, I don't think it, it would be difficult to, to care about any of them mm-hmm. um, if the material were there. Uh, right. I mean, I think, uh, like you said, I mean, the little, the Brooklyn, is it, yeah, Price or Pierce or whatever it is, the little yeah. girl, she's fantastic. Finn Wolfhard's great. I really like Mackenzie Davis. She's I should, great. I should be invested in all of these people. And I'm, I'm just not, I'm not either, I'm not right. enough information or their motivations don't make sense or are unclear. And so by the end, I'm like, ah, I don't care. And, you know, and even, even like back. So like Veronica, like we talk about Veronica a lot cause we love it mm-hmm. to me. I think Veronica is an incredible film. I will watch it over and over again. It's one of my favorite films. It's Absolutely. yours too. Somewhere along the way, like the demon thing to me goes like, okay, whatever. That's right. crazy. But the, 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 the kernel of the story is this little, this, this teenage girl, who is taking on the weight of the world right? and is trying to save her siblings and realizes that she's the thing that's killing them. Right. Uh, And you, but you care about her. And then even I'm going to bring it back to skeleton key because I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Even skeleton key where you fucking hate Kate Hudson, the Kate Hudson character, they do a little turnaround in the end because she gets it. She gets yeah. what she deserves because you're you're invested in her as a character. Yeah, because you're like, get the fuck out! You have no right. place. You have no business there. And then the movie and then, tells you she had no place being here. Right, and then you learn, oh, that's what they wanted her to do. Yeah, and and, yes. and again, no shade to Kate Hudson. Like, she, no, she does a great job. Perfect. She does um, a great in job in that film. Uh, we we just don't care enough about them as characters yeah and it, in this movie. It, it seems like such a um a, a, a waste self goal as they would call it in i think in soccer or whatever it, it, it shouldn't have been that shouldn't have been hard you have right. really good actors you have um uh it's i mean i don't know this brings up a whole other thing but in in i was talking to aspen during it and i, I raised a very sort of blunt question. And I said, do you think women are inherently better with children um, than men? And she said, yes. Uh, She said, I don't think that means that men can't be great with children, but I think because of biology and society, um, women are inherently better. And there's a moment between uh, Mackenzie Davis and and Brooklyn, uh, what, I'm sorry. Prince. Prince. Um, that seems so honest beyond character. It seems like this very adult woman 
having just having a great rapport with a little kid in a very natural, honest way. And I was like, so that's there. And how can you not build on that? Right. Right. I'm saying dudes can't be great. I'm not saying, you know, no, no, no. I know. I know what you mean. I know they're, they're what they had like a really nice chemistry. Yeah. Those two actors. The story isn't there to, to support that. Well, and you have, and here's the thing here's the other thing for me is, you know, we know from, I mean, you have the material. It's in the book. Miss Jessel kills herself because she cannot escape. And she knows that what she's doing is horrific. She throws herself in the fucking lake to get away from Peter Quint mm-hmm. is what she's doing. So you have that in the novella, right? Right. You open the movie with like the biggest suicide of the decade. Right. Right? Right. With Cobain. With Cobain. Right. And, and you don't like, tie that together. And you, ha- oh, how I do you think about that. You're like, how do you not tie that together? Like, how right. do you not create a thing? If you wanted to, to steer away from, from the original, from the, from the novella, why are you opening with Kurt Cobain's death and not tie it in in a more personal way to your governess character so right. that when she learns that the previous governess actually killed herself with whether which you actually never do in this movie no you don't that's that's the thing that comes back to her and goes oh oh shit yeah i'm either gonna do this or i'm not gonna do this right right and i think that was a missed opportunity yeah i think you're right and i think it i think i think missed opportunity is 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 a way to as a good summation of this movie um that's our title missed opportunity because i think yeah, uh, th- there are themes like that, that that get discarded or don't go anywhere. There's right. character building just in in based on the chemistry that these actors have that gets thrown away. Mm-hmm. There are these threads like the tattoo and things that that go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like again, I mean, I for the first however many minutes, I was I was engaged. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say it was you know. Suspiria. No, whatever. right. It um, wasn't. It wasn't terrible. I wasn't mad that I watched no, it. And I mean the remake of Suspiria. Sorry. Like no, it, I know exactly what I know exactly what you mean when or, you say or fucking uh, the nun. I'm not. I'm not right. It, it's just it's disappointing where you're like, oh, this is a solid, creepy movie, solid ghost movie, um, and then it just it just sort of all it just doesn't go anywhere, and then it just like totally goes off a fucking cliff, and it's like, man, it was all. All the parts yeah. were there. You had it. You, ha- you had like, it. You yeah. have the original story. Yeah. Like, also, it's it's far enough away. Like kids don't read nineteenth century. Like only weird kids. Nobody read knows 19th this fucking. Century. I mean, dude, I, dude, I'm an English professor, and I I literally have cracked the the Henry James of us since high school. Right. Right. It's um, like it's the perfect. It is the perfect hunt, haunted mansion yeah. story. And my God, the location. They had it's gorgeous. I know. I'm like, I mean, some of those, some of those shots were just so beautiful, and the locations were so, so gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me like that house was already art directed. Like, right. And I apparently, mean, that estate is in Ireland somewhere. And yeah, I mean, the art direction, like the estate itself, the grounds, and like the you photography, have, it's photography. gorgeous. And she is, like you said, a, a a famed photographer and, and movie uh, music video director. It's just like, it's like you have it all there. All the ingredients are there. And then you just fucked yeah, it up. Like, you just fucked it up. Yeah. So it's like, speaking of that, there are a few other film adaptations of the, of the story in case our listeners want to go out and, and watch them. Uh, there's one from 1958 55, 58, called The Innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, Innocence with a T, not with a C, uh, starring Deborah Kerr uh, as the governess, which who I think is too old, but yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, it's the 50s. What are you it's, yeah, it's the 50s. And, but it's, that's a pretty um, faithful adaptation of the novel, and it's black and white, and it's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Um, th- it's a good one. Uh, there's another one in the 60s that's Kookadoo, and kind of like difficult to watch. I have to go back and watch it. This has made me want to go back and watch it because it stars Marlon Brando. Wow, really? I have no yeah. idea about this. This is late 60s. Uh, 
68, I think. I'm not sure. It's called The Nightcomers. I have never fucking heard of this movie. Yeah, you should go watch it. I mean, it's it's one of those weird... Weird title, man. (laughs) Yeah, and you may have trouble getting through it because it's just one of those weird, disjointed 60s 60s. things. It's called The Nightcomers, and he plays Peter Quint. And of course, because it's Marlon Brando, this this version of it... Uh When you read like the the little liner notes or whatever, when you read the description of the movie, it says uh, it says uh, a story centered around a man named Peter Quint. Uh-huh. And I'm like, of course it is. Of course. Like so, this this I think this retelling I don't quite remember, but I, I'm trying to. If I'm correct, the Nightcomers is kind of like a prequel. Is so it you. You basically playing Stanley Kowalski up there. Yeah, Yeah. but like older and British. Uh, (laughs) And he, yeah, it's it. You get to see the events that lead up to 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 turn of the screw. Okay, to turn to turn of the screw. Um, Um, it's just it's some of that. It's some of that. Sometimes that weird '60s shit really really works. And sometimes, and sometimes it's, sometimes it's fucking like fucking Yeah, just yeah. like come on. Okay, we get it, y'all. We get it's, it. It's weird. It's weird. You guys, you guys did a really great LSD. I get it. Okay, right. But it's also like part of the reason I love it is because it is the '60s, and it's it's that weird marriage of like it is the period film, so it's supposed to take place in the eighteen whatever. But it's clearly as. But it's it's clearly it's clearly the '60s. Yeah. You know, it's like the other, like the opposite version of like my favorite thing, which is like future seventies, like sci-fi <laughs> movies from the seventies. Yeah. We're like, exactly. The, the future is exactly like the nineteen seventies, right? Just like uh, Logan's Run or something. Logan's Run, totally. Uh, and then we do have, I don't know, because of you know the fucking end of the world, but um, the haunting of Bly Manor, which, which is, is Flanagan's follow-up to to Hill House, is supposed to come out sometime. In the near future. Um, oh my god! I I'm excited to wait. see. No, because he knows how to tell a fucking ghost story. He does, and I think he is. Um, you know, Doctor Sleep, notwithstanding. Uh, right. You know, I, don't I still like don't it. like it, dude. I've had so many people. Oddly, I think as I posted something that you responded to, just sort of joking with my sister-in-law, I've had multiple people, and I, I appreciate it. Text me. Like you really need to give it another shot, and I think you missed it. I'm like, I, I, no, I didn't. No, I think it. we're right. I'm good. Um, but that notwithstanding, for whatever other reasons, I think what he, how he took the novel of Hill House and said, these are the bones of this story, but I have my very own story to tell, mm-hmm. and married those things. I think is brilliant, and so I, I hope for something along yeah. those lines where he doesn't feel. Um, that he's married to turn of the screw. Uh, right. But that, that sort of the heart and soul or, or bones of that story or style are, are, are still there. Um, Cause they're so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Flanagan, I, I believe he will knock it out of the park. I have complete faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, so what else have you, I mean, I, so, so what should the people watch the turning? I mean, I, I think, you know, just from just listening to you, just talking today, I go read the story. You know, this is the world is on fire and I know it's hard to focus on things. Um, and and Henry James is a little florid in his language, yeah. but 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 it, 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 it might provide, you know, it could provide an escape. And it is it is a good story. And I think, um, you know, there's like that last bastion of of 19th century horror. Mm-hmm. uh that it's its own cool fucking thing. Um, right. And I think when we get into the 20th century, uh, you know, it, it, there's a huge shift. And, and because this is like coming on the heels of, you know, Dracula is not that long before it. Obviously right. Frankenstein's way before it. But, um, you know, you have... You have those sort of ghost stories. You have Dracula. And you have the Bronte sisters. The Bronte sisters. Um, yeah, I mean, you're fucking Weathering Heights and all this. And it's like, this This is just this very specific time right. in literature. And You know what? People should, yeah, people should go. if And if they want to watch a movie, if they want to watch a good like Henry James story, they should go watch The Golden Bowl. And you should go watch Wings of the Dove. Yeah. Um, 
because although those are not horror movies, there is something definitely atmospheric and moody and, and telling about his view of, of women. Of women. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we bring it up a lot and while not an adaptation or a a true, a true adaptation, I think the others uh, is, is, is obviously influenced by him. And I love that movie. That movie, I mean, talk about really investing in those characters. Yeah. Talk, talk about caring, like when you learn what that is, what yeah. you learn what's happening. Talk about just being gutted. And absolutely. And, and the supernatural elements when they do occur are simple. And right. Um, Same thing with the orphanage. Yes. Which I think exists in, in a similar world. Uh, right. I will say this, and, and I know you and I keep going back to it. Um, ghosts should just be played by actors and they should just be people in a room. And, and I, I am, I, I am putting my fucking foot down on this, Christy. No, I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I am so sick of the CGI ghost. It, it does. It's, it's so not fucking scary. scary. It's so, it's not scary at all. What did we watch recently? We watched something recently. Now I can't remember. I'm going to fucking be so mad where they just made the bold choice. They made the bold choice where the ghost was just another person in the room. Yes. And and Um, so the whole time you're going, are they a ghost or are they? Yeah. I can't remember what it was. To me, that is, that is so much. It's just so much more effective every single time. Right. Right. And I'm not even, you know, if you can do kick-ass makeup and you have an awesome design, great. Or it's a fucking dude in a suit. I don't. Right. So much scarier, or it's, I, or it's an empty corner. It's an em, absolutely. It's an empty corner. It's a ball rolling down the hallway. As soon as the CGI comes in, whether it's fantastic or not, I don't even care. It it it's not scary, and it just pulls me out immediately. Yeah, I think you can get away with it like once in the movie. Yes, and and if it's done really really well, well. I, yeah, I, I just. I don't know, man. Just like yeah. an actor in space. Right. Right. Hey, have you heard about, there's like this brand, there's this 100% CGI actress. That's all the rage right now. She, she has an Instagram. I can't this remember. Is it real? Name. Is it what? This is real. Yeah, it's for real. Like there is <laughs> this, they've created this actress and oh she is, God. she has an Instagram account. Okay. And she's and completely CGI. She's completely CGI. She was created by a bunch of men. Of course. In a computer room yeah. somewhere in Silicon Valley. Um, How many times did the phrase, give her bigger tits, get uttered? Oh, during? I'm sure. <laughs> I am pretty sure that that happened yeah. a lot. Um, and she's an influencer. Fuck and, me. Uh, and she is, she's an actor. Like she is an she is an actor. Like they're going to, they, I think she has a, a Netflix series coming They're going to put her in something. They're going to put her in something. Yeah. And it's, she is uh, an amalgamation of all these algorithms mm-hmm. and, and so some, she, some nerds. Yeah. Wet dream. Yeah. And I guess it's quarantine proof. Um, uh, that's uh, well, that sounds like the end of the world. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty, did nobody watch Terminator? I know. Has man. No one watched hey, man, Terminator. On. Like, this is Has, not that hard to figure out. I know. Has nobody um, seen Battlestar Galactica? Yeah. Please. I uh I guess like on the other on just horror notes, I watched it's not even really a horror movie, um, Ready or Not. Uh-huh. Which is uh the the woman who marries into a gaming, like a game family. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Um, it's not really a horror. It's more of just like an extended thriller chase kind of comedy element. Mm-hmm. Um, I was super entertained. Uh, Good. It, it was, it was so easy to watch. Um, yeah. and I hear myself say that and I get mad at myself. No. But a lot of times right now, I just need something easy to watch. It's okay, Michael. It's okay. Right now, if, I mean, I was, John and I were just having this conversation yesterday. It's, you, I, we open up Netflix or Roku or whatever, and there's just so much to watch. And that 
paired with the hellscape that we are living in right now. Uh And just like all of the upsetting things that are happening in the world that seem to not be stopping. Right. I just want something easy to watch. And sometimes I'm, I'm, I'll admit it. Sometimes I'm just like, can we, can I just watch Miss Marple again? Like, can I just like, I I just, I just want something that I can, that's easy that I, that if I drift off or I mean, zone out, it's okay. uh Um, or if I'm engaged, you know, that kind of makes me feel good. Makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, so th- that's that's kind of, you know, I do want to watch The Lodge. I, yeah, I, let's watch The Lodge. I wanted to tell you that I, I, so you talked about something that you watched. I recently, and this isn't old, because you know me, I like the old school right. uh, horror thriller movies. I saw this movie, I found it on Prime, and it was a terrible transfer, so I ordered the DVD because I wanted to see what it was, and it's called Rehearsal for Murder. Oh, I love that title. And the funny thing is, is that it's about a, a play director, a theater director, who who brings <laughs> back a group of people because someone died last year, and they're going to try and figure out, you know, right? So, um, but it's Robert Preston. Like Robert Preston is the star wow. of this sh- of this movie, but on the DVD jacket, it's Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> who only has like he has like a minor role. Sure. In the movie and the picture of him on the DVD cover, I don't even think it's from the movie. It's probably he, from like the like Jurassic Park or something. Yeah, because he yeah. looks like real suave and kind of like, and it looks like rehearsal for murder. That's like, amazing. And I'm like, that's fuck like, you, Robert Preston. Yeah, fuck you, Robert Preston, star of Victor Victoria and the Music Man and like Broadway idol, absolute icon of a human being. Fuck right, you. <laughs> fuck you. We're gonna put Jeff Goldblum on the cover. I feel like Goldblum would have a problem with that. I feel like Goldblum. I mean, he had no say in it, but I feel like if you told Goldblum that happened, he'd be like, "Don't disrespect Robert Preston." Come on, I, I agree. You know, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, well, I love that title. Uh, I, yeah, I, I I just love that title. And I love when movie studios do that. Yeah, I love that. It's like a cavalcade of 80s <laughs> TV stars, which I love. Because I need something easy to watch. And so yeah. I watch these movies because I can laugh at them. Yeah, I think it's it's great. It's the empire of the ants. The oh, yeah. my God. You know, last week when, when Dante came home, he came, he's finally home from Washington. And um, so Isa came over and it was really nice for the four of us to just be in our house together, having dinner and watching a movie like we hadn't done in years. Years, yeah. And I, I mean, our kids were brought up on Mystery Science Theater Sure. And um, so we were like, okay, we have to watch Empire of the Ants together because Dante had never seen it. And so it was literally the four of us. And it was like an episode of Mystery Science Theater. And it was the best That's fantastic. thing ever. It was yeah. the best thing ever. That's great. Um, I want everyone to watch Empire of the Ants. I agree. Fucking go, go watch that this week, you know? Yeah, do that. Um, uh, so let's watch The Lodge. Yeah, definitely. Let's do that next week. And then I still want to circle back around and break the rules again and talk about 2001 at some point. Dude, okay. Nobody tell anybody, but I'm going to have to find an edible. And watch. And watch it again. Yeah. And watch it again or or something or something. Something, yeah. Because... Um, Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's worth talking about. But let's watch next week. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Um, it was good to see you, man. Good to see you. All right. Tell John and the kids hello. Thank you, Jim John. Thank you. See you guys. Bye. Bye.